1: This music just gets me excited for elections. This is Heidi Hatch with KU TV two news. It's you're, Friday. It is Friday, and if you're listening on another day of the week, that's fully acceptable. Greg Hughes is actually in the house with us today. Thanks that's for right. being so here.
2: Representing.
1: What are you wearing? Tell us about so, it.
2: So I don't know if you've been Describe downtown Salt the- Lake City, but it is Fan X week where it is? used to be called Comic-Con. Now it's Fan X.
1: Let your freak um, flag and fly. And you'll see a lot of people in it's costumes. It's crowded.
2: Yes, it's, it's very. And I actually like this. I YouTube. like going to it. I'm totally into it. But so in honor of Fan X, am wearing a costume today. <laughs> I am I am a Pierre Delecto 2012 voter from 2012 against Obama, Pierre Delecto. So Boom. I have my Pierre that Delecto 2020 a
1: 2012. So you're backing Mitt Romney's um, Twitter yes, ego. Yes,
2: Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Secret. Twitter account. It wasn't a bad idea. I should have a secret Twitter account. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I just thought, this is a good costume.
1: I like it a lot. Thanks look nice it's in your nice. sweats you today. Look great. Yeah, exactly. And then Mark dressed out on the other side of the table, always fashionable. <laughs> yes. If you ever need to have a cool outfit or good <laughs> oh, accessories, <laughs> have Mara go shopping I with like you. That. I need to have a Mara that's shopping nice. weekend. All right. Let's I, pr- I prefer I hood rat, you know, you hood, look hood rat. rat? rat look. Yeah, that's kind you of look the. You look you know, great.
2: Sweats, Pierre Delecto, long sleeves. I'll post a
1: picture if you'd like to see it. Yeah, you are long sleeve, yeah. What are you up to this weekend,
0: Mara? I'm going to tell you what I'm doing tonight. Ooh. I, and it's little. I, I'm hearkening back to your Florida days. All right. I am for the first time. Wrestling know, gators? It's it's. I am going to go with a bunch of people I don't know who I believe are in their 70s and play bunco.
1: Ooh. I don't even know what bunco is, and I'm going to go that play. That sounds horrible. I've never done that. I'm not into it, but I hear that bunco groups are getting bigger these They're days. They're getting especially women. bigger. Like this they were, they were, so they were all a, the
2: rage in, like, Two thousand,
0: I say. Two thousand in Florida, I'm sure, but I'm going I, I've never played, I don't know how to
1: play, and I'm I'm gonna fill in. Just be careful because there was a retirement community in um, <laughs> North Orlando that was really big on those bunco leagues. They also had some STD outbreaks because apparently they thought that while well, they couldn't know. have children anymore because of that age, they forgot about the other things. So oh good to know. That, yeah. so I'm that was check a segue out. I wasn't I'm expecting. That went sure a whole different a, direction, a this bunco story. Bunco yeah.
2: <laughs> my goodness. I was going to ask, is there money on the line? What's the, what's the buy-in? If it is, <laughs> uh, report that, this one. The yeah. buy-in on this one is something I don't even want to go. I don't want to talk about that. This might got a lot more interesting. We
1: are feeling spicy. Okay, speaking of spicy, we keep having um, new numbers coming in the Senate race, and I think there's a lot of internal polling going on, too. I have not taken part, but I keep getting texts that when I try to click through and answer a couple of fake answers at first to see who's polling. Uh, there was one last night that looked like Evan McMullen was doing more internal polling. Another one I couldn't tell, but um, we got new numbers from, which I think is the gold standard heels. They're always just a snapshot in time. Uh, Mara, let's look at these numbers. Greg, you're allowed to look, too. Mike Lee coming in at 36%. Evan McMullen 34%. The interesting thing is um, we keep seeing these numbers of people who are undecided being high. There's 8% saying they're voting for other, and that's aside from the 2% who say James Arthur Hansen, a libertarian, 3% for Tommy Williams, and 16% don't know. Uh when you're doing polling for people behind the scenes, what should we think about when we see others and don't knows? Yeah, are they so writing me This one's a little in-
0: interesting because it has higher numbers in these categories than the other. We've had three polls come out in three weeks, yeah. two from campaigns, another was from an independent source. But these are a little higher. Um, there's 13%, as you suggest, who uh, are saying other people, and 16% are saying un. Don't know. Yeah. Um, that's a little, that feels a little artificially high. The other thing, and I, Greg will probably pick this out because most of us watching polls will pick this yeah. out. They were in the field for a very long time. Knocking doors. So, so this
1: was human to human contact, So this is September
0: 3rd through the 21st. Yeah. And it is 815 registered voters. So I'm going to distinguish that from likely voters. So it's registered voter. And if they're door knocking, they're probably using voter polls, but they're also probably relying on self-identification in that instance. So this is a very different poll than we've seen. Um, sometimes, I get, you know, I I would say this is a great poll for Evan McMullen because I do suspect that it's a little less close than this poll shows it to be. Uh, and, and the methodology on this was so different. The other thing that is good and bad about this poll, so what I always think about is... Um, Not whether a poll is invalid or valid, but why were you doing it? Um, What was the methodology? Good companies use several different kinds of methodologies. Was it multimodal? Did you talk to people? Did you call them? So instead of looking at a poll and saying, is it a good or a bad one, I would say, hey, what time of year is it? Who published it? Why? Now, one thing with the Deseret News polls is that the um, newspapers have a history of doing polling on a variety of different issues. Mm -hmm. One of them is inevitably head to head. But I'm sure they asked about the economy and gas and education and all of the hot issues. And they will slowly roll this out over a couple of weeks as news. Yeah. And it works. So I would just point
1: out that one of the main goals of this poll is likely to just have have a public conversation. I love a public conversation. Is there anything you get from this? And before you answer, one thing that I think is interesting, and I am not an expert on this, but something that I've seen in the last couple of election cycles, when I've gone out to talk to people and see if they'll tell us who they're voting for in presidential elections, uh, when President Trump was running... People were very reticent to say that out loud and to say it on camera. And we even gave people an option where you could stand behind the poster board and not be seen. (laughs) It was kind of this like non-scientific way. And at the time, anyone who was voting for Hillary Clinton was willing to say it out loud, to have their face and to have their name. Uh, Very rarely were the people who were voting for President Trump wanting to be A, on camera, B, have their face or certainly C, with their name. And I don't know if Senator Lee has moved into this possible area where it's oh. not as popular to say out loud, but you still back him. And that's where some of these, I don't know, or others come because they don't want to say it to someone. I, I wanna t- or is it, that it, weird?
2: No, Heidi, that's on my mind. I'm going to touch on that. The one thing I want to say is I'm glad to know it was door-to-door because to start a poll before L- Labor Day, and Labor Day is kind of the unofficial beginning of campaigns yeah. elections for the fall to start this poll before labor day by a couple and go, days right yeah but then to go for 18 days until a couple of days ago that was either smoke signal carrier pigeon or door to door cuz mm-hmm. I, I just cuz if you look right now after labor day you're seeing a lot of competitive races around the country senate governor where they're doing a four or five day window and you're seeing polls and you're seeing numbers maybe get closer to have 18 days i think is a is, i i I find it uh, less dependable, especially if you consider that late last week, but reported by your station here in KUTV on Monday, that the uh, Utah Debate Commission.
1: They did a poll as they well. They did a poll,
2: and they did it for a very specific reason. It's it's done to show who qualifies to, to be on their debate stand or stage uh, for the tele- televised debate. And their rule is if you're at 10% or more, you can be in the uh, in the debate. So they're doing a poll for a very practical reason. So it's it's serious. It's not from a campaign. And their numbers published last, well, this Monday, but from last week, showed Senator Lee up 11 points and yes. showed only a 5% undecided. And I so to see the kind of the the disparity between. between them and to see how long this one is. The other thing, too, is that when you look at polls right now around the country, there's some other interesting demographics or information from polls that are coming out in a specific race, so, such as in Kansas. Women are tending to vote for one candidate over another. Age demographics are mm-hmm. voting a different way. People that self-identify as Republican or Democrat are, are moving in different percentages or different ways. It would be very good to see that kind of information on a poll like this. You, you could see maybe it's a younger vote that is attracted to a, a challenger and maybe the older voter, but we don't see any of that in, the, in these numbers. They're very vague, and the methodology isn't really laid out as clearly as I think it's been done in the past, and if you look around the country, you see it done. To the point about the shy Trump voter and is there a shy voter today, I do think that there is a there is starting to become a stigma to certain issues and, and candidates that would, that would support or oppose certain issues. So if you see the memo from the Department of Homeland Security and they're saying, look, we have a domestic terrorist alert for people that are going to school board meetings that could get violent and angry at their school boards. Um, if there are people angry or frustrated about the border or perceived lack of border uh, control or or, uh, or enforcement that could be someone on the on the domestic terrorist list. If you have a president like Biden who says, you know, the MAGA voters make America great again are semi-fascists, uh, you might not want to answer openly and honestly what candidates you prefer and what issues are important to you if those kind of narratives are 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 the prevalent ones. And so I think that the shy Trump vote you could argue is starting to shift into a shy Republican vote because some of these positions that, that people have are really being demonized as radical. And so and, I think there could be that inside the, these And numbers. I would
0: strongly disagree with that. I think when you look at polling, um, we respond very differently to issue-based um, assertions than we do to people. So while I do agree that I think a shy Trump vote existed, mm-hmm. I don't think that's it was a, translated to one time phenomenon. I have yeah, a question I, mean that, Maara, not, I don't think I don't that that's –
2: I don't want to interrupt a you. Truthism. This is actually a, a thoughtful question, not argumentative.
0: <laughs> uh, clearly, <laughs> okay. uh, clearly by needing okay. a preface. <laughs> Listen, no, I just, because, you know,
2: I, I'm not. So they'll say MAGA voter, make America great again. Yeah. If you think there's a candidate that personifies the issue. So, I, you know, I, I agree. The issues you can maybe more freely share right. than, than the candidate. Right. But if you have a candidate like Senator Lee who may personify some of these issues that are right. being, you know, kind of put in, in one category would that color your your hesitancy or your willingness to to say you No, support i mean that i candidate? think that
0: holds little intellectual rate weight in a red state having a red conversation now maybe if okay. you're in a battleground state you might be shy to wear symbols but around here i mean frankly it, it the my the majority is still somewhere between moderate to um far-right conservative, and you would see no backlash on that point of view. Lee yeah. is not, let's let's not paint Lee as a weak incumbent. I mean, no, I think that that all. would be no. unfair. And I just don't think there is, in general, data or even anecdotal instances, I mean, they're singulars, of course, that show that people, by and large, get harassed too much for commonly held symbols. Uh, uh,
2: my sense is that there is an attempt, at least from the McMullen campaign, to tie centerly oh, with no, with total, Trump. No,
0: there's a political attempt but you're talking about you're shy
2: Trump vote a shy A being
0: ashamed. And yeah, well, and is a little bit strong, but I would say that it's about being able to articulate your point of view. Yeah. So I think in the public forum, I think it would be um I I think those who would say that are using politics, not policy. No, right? I think
2: there's a shy. I think there's a shy vote out there.
1: I know you do, but I think that's an, a politically expedient answer. Well, we're going to find out <laughs> in like forty some odd days to see exactly what happens. I'm excited that it's. Close. I'm
2: screenshotting <laughs> this this very uh, sc- poll, and I'm going to look at those don't no, knows, we and we're going to see how many of those so don't knows were shy. I would, I would love to see, if <laughs> Heidi.
0: I mean. Back in the day we all remember when Dan Jones was alive, he would come and interpret the polls for us. And I think yeah. what both yeah. both, for both Greg campaigns, and I, both parties. And bo- what both Greg and I are saying is I would love to know why they chose door to door because that eliminates a lot of people and places. And I know one thing that we do when we're doing opinion research is uh, we will roll the poll as it goes, meaning if we want a reflection of the electorate, we will make sure that 51 to 52% are female. And you can change that as you're phone voting, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if you're calling the guys and you got there faster, you can slow down and move lists. When you're door knocking, I'm wondering how much they're shaping the poll. And I know so that they will mirror likely voters so that we find it more accurate. I I would love to have someone from Dan Jones... Come on. All right, know, I'm going to call them and up, and see, see if what they have to say. Talk through who women, who men, the age, what they're seeing. Because head to head is less interesting in September than who's doing what. Head to head, really, in my mind, is most telling. Um, you know, mid-October to the end yeah. of October. Right now, it's I would rather know, right now, right would rather know yeah. who's doing what. It's and definitely. would we see a trend if if you told me a disproportionate amount of older men were voting for Evan McMullen, I would share some doubt with you. Or if you told me that young women are really high on Mike Lee, I would
1: perhaps want to push back so on that. So you think young women are more into the ex-CIA mm-hmm. agent? I mean, <laughs> mm, that's shaped Very ahead.
2: mysterious.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, one thing that we can guarantee with these polls coming out is the money's going to keep coming in for, for sure. ads. And Brian Malay, he did a story yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but he went and talked to someone because everyone wants to know, are the attack ads real? And the current attack ad against Evan McMullen is that he went, he owes, uh, I think, close to half a million dollars from his presidential campaign. That is true. Uh, his campaign said that they're trying to pay it off when they can. And then on Senator Lee's side, uh, Evan McMullen's saying that he's taking money from big corporate businesses. That is true. So there you have it. When you see those pictures that don't have the Instagram filters, they have the, the grainy, the grainy, yes. dark suspect. Yes. Yeah. Mullen
2: is not getting his money from mom and pops in small donations across Utah, though. That's not, I don't know where those big dollars are coming from, but there are, they are. there are big dollars, and they're not coming from... Everyday people, so he has funders, people that are funding that both campaign.
0: campaigns. Are actually using very common tactics. They're using external packs and picks yeah. to yeah. help support them. They're not day-to-day why, day to yeah. day coordinating. It's not, but both of them are running big league campaigns. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of fun here in the great. Yeah. You know, Utah. don't you think, Mara?
2: Don't and Heidi, don't you think that um, some of these polls are important for both campaigns because you're seeing some uh, organizations that are funding media buys. Pulling their their money out of certain markets if they think their candidate isn't tr- isn't going to win or they're they're, they're re they reevaluating and reprioritizing their their uh, their buys their media buys. If you have a poll like this that comes out that shows this, two things happen. Um, I think that McMullen can make an argument that his race is real and he can raise money yeah. from it, and it can also for Senator Lee. If they thought it was in the in the bag and done and over with, and they wanted to go put more money in Arizona or Ohio or Pennsylvania, that'll keep that money here at home. So you I know.
0: thought the same thing. I read this poll and
1: thought, <laughs> oh, this guarantees there's <laughs> more there's external be money coming into coming. this Absolutely. race the whole way through. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's fun. I, yeah. I like being in a state where there's a competitive race. People have to think about it and talk about it. So yeah, Now, I'm us.
0: committed to never ending a segment um, on the U.S. Senate race in Utah, to not giving a shout out for the write-in vote of Heidi Hatch.
1: Thank you very I much. You have, you <laughs> have two you. more. I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> maybe that's for the eight <laughs> percent other Because I, I think I well, got th- two more know. votes for this last week. Ooh, so I, mean, yeah. I think yes, yes. you might be you might you be able are to a juggernaut. A how handful many, right how now. How many when you get write-ins? How many are do there have to be for me to end up on the actual polling numbers? Like we on the day where they have results. We need. To I'm going to call Sherry up. Swenson um, in yes. Salt Lake County so she's she, the can, best. She'll yeah, always answer. I will those tell questions. you this: if
2: you were a candidate, I've seen, I've, I watched. Uh, you had a Facebook post, and someone kind of went after you a little bit. And boy, did you ever set the record straight! Oh, what
1: did they go after me about? They
2: said something like, "Journalists having political opinions is not." isn't worth anything or that they don't. And you said, let me let me give you a little history. And oh, you talked about the one the about
1: the Hinkley the yes, Report? Yes, and all were- the,
2: all the, let me tell you about the presidential races I've covered and, and the races I've covered and the people I've interviewed. And you went through a pretty good resume that would pass very well for a candidate.
1: You go. So you know. Thank you very much. Yeah. And well, I don't think we should have opinions. I think that we obviously have experiences right. uh, that we see things that people don't see. And I right. think a lot of people think that we have lip gloss, yeah. go on TV and read the teleprompter, which we do. I love lip gloss and the <laughs> teleprompter helps a lot, but there's a whole lot of hours behind the scenes schlepping around, talking yeah. to people, seeing you, things that nobody else sees. You have so. institutional
2: knowledge and Certainly so, and I Thanks, thought you made. Rick. I thought you made a very strong case for that. I
1: should probably not fight with people on social media. My husband says I shouldn't answer back like that, but I'm I thought you, a little. Tiger. I think the replies mm. were
2: well done. Bravo right. and way okay, to go! I think right. you. I think it was well received.
1: Yeah. Well, and this, it told
2: me never to disagree with you on this. Purpose. Oh yeah, I,
1: because I will bite your head off yes, like I, I got just scared. like you would bite the body parts off <laughs> one of those chocolate Easter bunnies at Easter yeah, time. I'm, Hey Utah, this is this is not Utah. The U.S. This is not great news. I think that we can all agree of this. Uh, the U.S. surpassing record southern border crossings. We knew this was coming, but the numbers actually came in that there were apprehensions or arrests that were over two million as of last month. We have one month left uh, for the fiscal year. Interestingly enough, I think this is a hot mess. It's been a hot mess for years and for decades. But Vice President Harris has been on the record saying the border is secure. Why she says those words out loud, I don't know. Uh, Governor DeSantis, at the same time, is making people super upset uh, shipping migrants to Martha's Vineyard, whether that's criminal or not, if it's ethical or not. We can all discuss this, but the one thing it has gotten us to do, uh DeSantis and Governor Abbott, they have us talking about the problems in areas that otherwise wouldn't so Greg, you're first on this one, yeah um. You obviously have a somewhat bias towards Governor DeSantis, I believe. Uh,
2: You know what? So does she. She has a bias towards the Democrats. I know. know. So we'll we'll hear her bias here, too. Against DeSantis. For
1: those listeners, he's pointing at me. Was it ethical and okay (laughs) to ship some of these 2 million people, 50 of them, to Martha's Vineyard to open up the discussion and bring them to the northeastern United States that are not border towns to part of the problem that needs to be fixed that no one wants to talk about.
2: Absolutely. They signed waivers that they knew where they were going. They were going to a sanctuary city, a place that had put in, in their ordinances as a community that they welcomed those that didn't have anywhere to go. And They're so, suing
1: now. Do they have a case? Well, I think there's
2: a lot of, I think, this is where the politics does get in. If you want to if you're an attorney and you want to make more politics out of it, you could probably convince these people that signed the waiver to to do that now. But here's here's the interesting part: uh, it is it is actually the case, even if the media is not covering it, that churches are sending people. If you're coming over the border, this idea that when they landed at in Martha's Vineyard, they didn't have anywhere to go. They don't have anywhere to go the moment they enter this country. There's nowhere to go. The communities along the border states are are over. They, they're 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 charitable organizations are, are at their max. They're Everything they have, they can't, they can't do it any longer. So you have churches and nonprofits that are doing this exact same thing where they're busing and they're taking people to sanctuary cities and places where they say they, they welcome undocumented residents. You even have the mayor of El Paso from Texas who's been coordinating since August with the mayor of, of, of New York City and they've been sending buses since August to New York City. So it's a little bit of a selective outrage when they decide when they want to get mad about it. The the beauty of it all, though, if you like how they got there or what's happening, is I think empathy is growing. I think that people that might not have known what it was like for people to show up—you really don't think have,
1: empathy is growing?
2: Uh, absolutely. I look if you if you're observing someone in your community that doesn't have anywhere to go and you're trying to figure out how would we handle this, understand that's the that is the dilemma that people are facing. Along in our communities along our border states. That is the same challenge, only it's not 50. It's not a bus load. It's, it's the numbers that you're quoting here. There's a million or more. There's The numbers are unbelievable right now. And those now.
1: are the people who actually had apprehensions. There's, pro- there's uh, more. And for everyone, there's everyone they more catch, you
2: know, you got to know there's more that's going across. It's my hope, and I think that if we're being honest about this, whatever you're upset about in terms of someone landing in your community with nowhere to go and without any services to help, This is exactly what goes on if someone crosses this border illegally to the communities in which they enter. It's the same problem, and we should see it that way, and we should not be okay with it. We better find ways to help people. We should have an orderly way to legally migrate into this country, but to ignore it or say it's not there, there's no problem, there is a problem. And if more people are understanding that practically— I think that's a good thing.
1: Wrong or right um, on this. We'll get to that in just a second. Do you think this opens up the conversation where the country will care about it again and maybe get something accomplished? It seems to me every presidential election leading up, I think until probably this last one, Democrats and Republican presidential candidates alike talked about the fact that we needed Mm -hmm. to fix immigration, we need to do something about it. Now, I don't think anyone really made any um, huge efforts until President Trump, whether you love or hate what he did, but it's always something people run on. Uh, It's kind of been a back burner issue even though vice president harris has been put in charge of the issue for president biden does this bring it mara to the forefront where maybe this next congressional cycle that we can sit down solve some problems get daca checked off maybe figure out how to tighten up the border or is this just all theater for uh the coming election
0: front in the worst way possible and i this is a rare issue where I'm super bummed on the gridlock. I, I, I'm looking for a path and I don't see it because both sides are equally at fault here. There are some where you do lean one way or the other. So a couple things I'm going to try and compartmentalize because the politic is so interwoven mm-hmm. here. But first, it it is the notion of what I found deplorable is, I think, brilliantly, if I'm just talking about the game of politics, DeSantos did what I think, if I were a Republican, I would be looking at the adroitness of him taking a couple of weeks of some momentum from the Democrats and just pulling the rug out from under him. Because we are doing nothing but talking about immigration. And immigration for the midterms Gets uh, the Republicans out, not the Democrats. So we moved away. We haven't talked about abortion. We haven't, I mean, we haven't talked about all the issues that had some momentum. So I do think that from DeSantis's point of view, this was just a political maneuver. And that's why I abhor it, because I think he did use people. To Greg's point, we agree. This is going on throughout America, Republicans and Democrats. I think one thing that's interesting is I don't think border states have a long-term problem with immigration i think they have a short-term problem i think the immigrants come in but when you look at the so i pulled the states where they immigrants eventually move up. up into the country quickly yeah really quickly and it's california new york um massachusetts illinois virginia new jersey and maryland so and and so what we know is it's red and blue states and they're moving more frequently into blue states for all the reasons you think, the jobs. services are better, the jobs are more open, the communities are more willing to accept those. So, I, so I'm not suggesting we don't have a border problem. I'm just no. saying the border states, they distribute them pretty quickly because they're going to where they can find Mara, jobs. Mara, so that. essentially
1: the people who went to Martha's Vineyard got a free ticket to where they might have gone anyways. Yeah, no, so what was deplorable to me in that instance was I
0: think we very strategically used people – to change a political dialogue. Here's what I'm bummed about is, and Greg and I were gently arguing about this earlier. Mm,
2: I, I didn't. Gently, I, I had no idea we were arguing. I just thought I, we were talking. But yeah. I'm a Neanderthal, so I didn't. Right. I didn't pick up okay. any but of the like, social cues I, the thing that we were that, arguing. that was a
0: super disappointing to me. Is I do think that the policy that we could. This is just a really poorly run government system, but we can't even get to that part of it because of the political. Um, foundations that we're taking, of which I am a member of that. I will throw down with Greg about the racism that I felt from the Trump administration, and he will throw down about the lawlessness, and we will continue to go on and on. The one thing I just really want to change, though— is this is not a problem for the executive branch. Shame on Obama, shame on Trump, shame on Biden, and particularly shame on the United States Congress because this should be solved by Congress. It is their format. And when they have allowed, because of their complete ineptness and their complete lack of taking on the issue, it has forced the executive branch, and I will say forced because I think the presidents were feeling pressure to take actions, and they took these actions. Presidential actions executive orders are at best band-aids and when you rip off band-aids the wound just got worse so shame on congress it's congress's problem it's they really not do need to sit biden's down problem it's yeah, not I, trump's I agree problem with that wholeheartedly. and i am so frustrated that congress keeps looking and either complaining about the biden administration or the trump administration and i just say shame on them because it is their problem states actually don't have many tools to help. Right? They have school systems and they have emergency medical systems, but the states, by design, are not necessarily equipped to provide large-scale governmental but, but help. What,
2: make, what gives me heart hope is that when you say that, I don't hear what you just said discussed when we talk about it, it, this immigration right. problem very often. And I think <laughs> if the states and the people that live in these states, without respect, without regard to blue or red, can say we we just aren't. Equipped for this, and this isn't what we do. It is actually the federal government that deals with our, our borders and border security and legal immigration and all those things. It has to force Congress to address this issue. But it hasn't. And, but I don't know that we've ever talked. What There's you just always said another is another not election been a standard problem. discussion. I've never heard it that way. I want to hear that more often. And I think that if more people are seeing that these are the problems that come, if we don't get this right, there is a ripple effect, and it impacts. There's a humanitarian crisis that results from this. I think that's the way you do it. My question was, is that a natural migration, Mara, to those states that you said? Because we do know that the the administration was sending by plane I think people and by usually bus
1: have family members to different they states. Kind of go to. They appears,
2: were sending people to It appears too. to be the
0: majority is natural. Natural yeah. meaning they may have family or they may have heard through their geographic grapevine, which may right. be that. Other Venezuelans or whoever. So it wasn't systemic to them, an administration. No, more I mean there natural. has been bussing in the yeah. past. I'm not yeah. I'm acknowledging that. But no, this was about the number one indicators where they can find jobs. And right. the key to success for immigrants, now I'm gonna go on my partisanship. The key to success for immigration is having jobs. Immigrants are a net plus for the United States. They tend to pay taxes at a high degree, and they also don't tend to be eligible for services. So if you're just looking economically, immigration has always been a net plus. The other thing I'll say about the 2 million, and I am not defending that we've got our arms in America around immigration, but the 2 million is, is apprehension. And one of the things that says to me is those who dramatically declare the border unchallenged Well, you can't say both. Two million is a lot of people, so clearly we have some border security. We have it. But the other thing is it doesn't mean it was individual people. Because under Trump, we did a little more of a catch and let go, and we we, we were processing them quickly, so we didn't get names. You may be counting the same individual multiple times because to what Greg would say is a problem is the revolving border. So don't see two million as an individual count number. It could be possible where they get sent back and then they come again, or or they just get rejected and well, get, yeah. and 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 leave two days later and come back.
2: Well, I, that- I and I think that the other the other impact, the humanitarian crisis that that just compounds everything we just discussed, is that that cartels profit on this. They profit through the the, the smuggling of drug trafficking of drugs and then sadly of human beings. And I think some come across and have to pay. And are, are brought under false pretenses, jobs that aren't real, or the jobs that they come and face are in the human trafficking or drug trafficking world, and they thought it would be some in something else. Anyway, it's just all, it's all bad, and it needs to be repaired, and I'm ready to put all the pressure, humanly possible, with a bipartisan push. For Congress to do something about But I do
0: think that. two things about drugs. One is drugs Don't are an American that. problem. With The problem is not with anyone in I, There's no in, nationality in to fentanyl. Fentanyl is evil,
2: period. It, it's just bad stuff. The
0: drug problem is a white American problem. So let's, like, I want to make sure the bias doesn't exist in the, that sentence. The, because who, who's the asking drug for fentanyl? They're, is they're using it as
2: a substitute for other suburban drugs. Suburban
0: women are. So oh my I'm gosh, just it's saying so the, the drug problem is not from the countries who are sending it, it is America's they're Appetite. from that Mara. it's they're America's making- appetite for drugs. Uh, and then, yeah. two, I think the percentage that are on the drug and on the cartel are rather small. So I don't want to say it's insignificant, and I don't say that it doesn't matter. But most are not in those circumstances. They're in, they're in either unstable countries, or most often just the economies in their countries aren't providing them means to take care of their family. And the other thing that's really interesting historically is if we look at assimilation being an action that we want to see as an immigrant country, if you compare this, our gen, this generation of immigrants to the past generation of immigrants, and if you count things like how quickly did they earn, learn English, how quickly did they want to buy homes, they are assimilating quicker than any other immigrant generation. So we're not looking at people coming in and wanting to change America. We're looking at people coming in and wanting to be a part of America.
1: All right, switching issues here. I am like losing my voice from allergies today. Who am I? Thought I thought you here? were just impacted by I, emotion. I was impacted I emotionally, in. but it was
2: just silence. It was just I, was, silence. It wasn't, I wasn't getting beclupped. You went
1: first last time, but I'm going to let you go again. Did you happen to be at the Utah Sheriff's Association meeting this week? Yes. I feel like as a lobbyist for them, you might be there. So if you haven't heard, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark, former uh, Sheriff David Clark, Was canceled from the headline speaker role for the Utah Sheriff's Association after the Utah NAACP chair asked for his removal. Clark, if you don't know, uh, he's fairly controversial. He's been speaking at a QAnon conference in the past. He supported the Proud Boys. He's called Black Lives Matter a hate group for the record. He is black himself. Was he too controversial? Is it a bad idea to bring someone in like this, or did he have value to your conference and he should have been there, Greg?
2: Well I you know, the QAnon thing, I hear liberals and people talk about Q and I've never seen I don't I've never been to a QAnon conference. I don't know QAnon people, but a lot of the people that are from the left, self identified left of center, seem to see Q and everywhere. I, I would love to know when they say that Sheriff David Clark went to a QAnon uh, conference is there a banner that says QAnon somewhere i don't know know he's
0: controversial this is what i do
2: know i do know this he has been absolutely critical of the riots that were happening in 2020 um he was very critical of antifa and even black lives matter in terms of that political violence i do think that the the things he said that brought controversy about you know selective outrage getting mad about january 6th but not of the other riots and violence was not consistent and he says it in very colorful ways but but here's the thing I don't know why he was booked in the first – this is the same guy. This isn't – there's nothing new about it. So if this is a sheriff or a former member of law enforcement with a, with a pretty good history of where he is on these issues, you wouldn't want to just because people don't like the issues he talks about to, to, to recoil from that. But what – but the wrinkle here, and I have that – I do have that perspective because I do like to work and do work with the, our Utah Sheriff's Association, which is bipartisan. We have, we have Democrats, county sheriffs as well is that they do important work at the conference they have uh, they have workshops they have training uh, and in the in the fact of the matter is NCAA NAACP has been a partner they're on post they have a post uh, position and so they're a partner and so this wasn't uh, the NAACP ordering or wagging their finger this this was more of a genuine conversation that happened
1: of why are we having them
2: yes and you know and it was concluded that We would they would never want to take away and there's many sheriffs who will not apologize or run away from Sheriff Clark, but they don't want the work they're doing, the important work revolving around public safety to be distracted or diminished. So they made it they made a choice to to not have Sheriff Clark at the conference. But again, it's not council culture. It's not someone forcing them or pressuring them. These are good these are the kind of community relationships you want. you want the NAACP and our Utah share Association to, to have a relationship of trust and to speak to each other. so
1: I'm happy to hear that that there was a conversation because sometimes yeah. we don't hear that and it just kind of seems like it was canceled and why did it happen uh, Was this the right decision Mara? Yeah, and as Greg said I think
0: it was done well so you, one would have to question, I do question whoever made the quick decision perhaps of putting a controversial, any controversy for any association, professionals association. I I, I don't know that I would tell any professional association to go with like a fire brand. Um, yeah. But what I loved is exactly what Greg said. My understanding was the same that Jeanetta Williams from the NAACP didn't make demands, just heard about it, called them. And what is important about this is, Called an existing relationship, right? This isn't the exactly. first time they had ever spoken to each other. She sits on their post, which is a, a group of people that analyzes and often. post really traumatic events like shootings analyzes and they respected her input in the past they've respected her input now and it really mattered that I think it is a pre-existing relationship and it sounds like they dialogued it and both of them said wow this isn't what we intended to represent this isn't what we intended to do and so let's cancel this so that we can have the conference we intended to have
2: i think the only part that was hard and it wasn't that i all of this was natural and all of this came to its logical conclusion the worry was perception are you recoiling for political pressure are you afraid right. to mm-hmm. and you do whatever you do you're going to get more of if it works and, and are you going to is it going to be seen that way um i think at the end of the day these sheriffs are just like you know what? we're gonna go do our job we haven't this, this this conference isn't fluff it's it has important work and training that goes on and we're going to do the right thing. We're going to do it because we believe in it. And if people misperceive that or think that we recoiled the political pressure, we're not. But this is how we're moving forward. So it, it is what it is. And, and that's uh, – And the and lesson I, learned was, is I was there last riches, night. It sounds like you I was were le- – Yeah, I was there last night. It was in St. George. And it's a great conference. It's, and it's, again, people of different parties that have been elected sheriff are there. And uh, it was good.
1: Well, because, right. again, I mean, sheriffs shouldn't rely heavily on partisanship. Yeah. No, I hate that it's like a Democrat or Republican election yeah, thing. It's weird like, for me. But The only
2: time is when the Democrats just hate public safety. Then you have, right. you have to I say, mean, well, then we don't agree. Someone's got
1: to protect <laughs> us, right? Thank yeah. you, Greg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know we've got to be quick here for Greg to get out the door, but uh, just because we've been talking about this, I want to— give an update that Joel Ferry Ferry, keeps moving around. Uh, His replacement was sworn in, I believe, last night. It's a Brigham City Councilman. He's the newest member of the Utah House of Representatives. He fills the seat that was recently vacated because uh, Ferry, as we know, is joining the Department of Natural Resources. The interesting thing is, is now that we keep talking about people who are connected in government. He works for the state, and he has this other council seat, so does he create more problems along the way, too, because he's got to figure out how to balance all of that.
0: Yeah, this is the craziest. I mean, again, this this guy is an elected city council person. He has said he's not going to resign that. And in, in fairness to him, he doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, he works for the state of Utah. He will he will be proffered as the replacement until January, where he's sworn in. And he's trying and to run as a write-in as well, I think. He yeah. is the write, you know, He will be. And so there'll be an election. And at that election, you will choose to write in one of three candidates, r- vote for the Democrat or others, or vote for Joel Ferry, who is still on the ballot. And then when he's on the ballot, I suppose there's a precedent set up, which is clearly what the Republican Party is trying to do, in which Tom Peterson is there for you. So, once again, I don't, for me, this is not about the individuals. I'm not suggesting that the individuals are not well suited for their jobs, but this. If you want to look under a quick urban dictionary of entitlement, I think you'll go ahead and find this entire process this entire from process. when the governor appointed him to this. And again, I'm not doubting the individual wants to serve and I'm not doubting the quality and character of the individuals, but we are governed by laws. And I mean, just we're a little presumptive and a little too sure of our own superiority in this process. Let's call in the Sheriff's
1: (laughs) Association.
2: Well, no, having been a member of the House and member of our state legislature. Oh, I heard
1: about that time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) um, I wouldn't call the word entitlement. I'd just say chaos and and avoidable, unnecessary chaos. I I am a, 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 we have a part-time legislature, but it is not a part-time branch. If you are a member of the legislative branch, you're not a member of the executive branch, and you can't be both at the same time. Our Constitution makes no room for that, being fact, I've never known a time where the legislative branch wouldn't jealously guard their separation and equal power. This was so unnecessary, and it has caused so much chaos in this election. And I, the only thing, again, I'm in the cheap seats. I, don't, I haven't actually had direct conversations about what led to how this is rolled out. But it, it seems like it had been done for pragmatic reasons or for expediency to get someone in there sooner than later. But it, it does, I think, make this election a bit of a farce, to have a, someone on there that you know is not going to be the person you're voting for, to have a number of write-ins as a result of that. And then for that s- season, we had someone who was both a member of the legislative branch and the executive branch. It's it's chaos that I think it was self-inflicted. It didn't have to be that
1: one. Right, Greg Hughes using the F word, farce. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah,
2: make sure you <laughs> –
1: my favorite F word. Not is that free. I don't
2: use the other, but never on. Do you a have to go family, right now, or can we talk a about a couple other things? Like this, I, I do have to go. Here All right, sh- fine. Very
1: I do want to let everyone know if you're looking for um, some light reading coming out. There is a new book coming out, Titan of the Senate. It is um, being written by William Doyle. It was written by Wilman, William Doyle for the New York Times, which will be interesting to read. Um, it sounds like they've talked to a lot of people who've worked with him over the decades, so I'm interested to read that when it comes out. Any quick headlines either of you want to let us know about because I have been ignoring the state capitol this week doing congressional interviews. Has anything sexy happened that you should tell us about in this quick lightning round, Greg?
2: Uh, quick lightning round. There was an audit on Inland Port, and uh, there's new leadership, and there was uh, suggested uh, new practices or better practices for how the Inland Port Authority will move forward, and I think that the, the new... The new leadership and the the board that's been put that was put in legislation. I think they're they're in the in the in the uh, in the process of those changes. And it was a good audit, and I think the inland port will be stronger for it.
1: We have problems with no
0: bid contracts here. Why do we do this, Mara? Because of the same issue we just talked about. We're highly familiar with the bros. The bros are (laughs) sort of getting cash with each other. Um, I do think what I'll preview, and we'll talk about this a ton. We're still flush. Mm. With one-time money. We still have cash on the table. That and means we'll we'll that taxpayers you. are
2: paying more money in yes. than we than the state well, budgeted or thought they would receive. So that's one-time money stacking up.
0: And the federal government, we still got that. But yeah, we're, that's we're, true. We're, But I think you're going to see this tension between what appears to all of us to be a ton of money, as Greg says, but it's one time, and much of the money goes away if we don't spend it. So it's like so, burning a hole in our pocket. Yeah, so I find legislative sessions that have more money are wild cats where ones where we don't have they're very prudent they're very measured they make decisions early and they're they easier make, they make good decisions based on needs when you have too much money i don't know do you buy the caddy do you buy the fur coat mm. it gets a little crazy i lived
2: through two recession cycles and i can promise you that putting a budget together where there's a recession and you're deciding to cut or have to cut because the math isn't there we don't print money as a state those are actually easier decisions to make they're not fun But it kind of writes itself in terms of how you have to scale back. And And where we are in the process process. bills
0: are starting to be written. Some of them aren't public yet. So you're starting to right now see the queuing. Mm. So we'll have more to talk
1: about in October for sure. I'm a careful spender budgeter. So it makes me feel anxious when I think about all this money and just spending it just because you have to. (laughs) Crazy stuff. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for listening in. And you're going to be getting these bonus podcasts every time I do a congressional interview. So far, we've had a couple Democrats in. In, uh, Nick Mitchell came in, and also uh, Darlene McDonald. Did you say ooh? I said ew. Stop um, it. Stop. stop we it. had great conversations, <laughs> so you can listen to them here on Take Two, and we will be back. Greg Hughes, <laughs> Pierre Delecto, whoever we calling you. 2012. You're having
0: such a grown-up conversation. <laughs>